And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a trio of feathery brethren, weather in any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's Top with Cheese. It's Philadelphia, Bo Sheila and Zach kicking it cooler than three teams until Zach runs off with his valet keys. He's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some birds with friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends. Boshila and Zach coming at you with steps and things, flapping their wings. Just on. Uh, they can be like bathing suits. What day, you know, what <laughs> Finish it up. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta take them off. What the hell? What they show is, is revealing, but what they conceal is vital, right? So. <laughs> This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a, what is it, Thursday? Thursday afternoon, Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, Marissa Morris here to talk about the latest going on with the Eagles. We heard from Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni yesterday. The Eagles have uh, their defensive coordinator interviewing for head coaching opportunities. We will discuss both of those things. Uh, we're going to play a new game, Zach, that uh, because Sheila's not here, we can take the opportunity to play a game that is only for the sickest of the sickos in a game we like to call Quack to the Future. We'll get to that at the end. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Dane Brooker's mock draft. We've got a lot to talk about, Zach. How are you? And... Uh, you know, knowing that you are like a perpetual overachiever, have you already like finished your offseason to-do list that you were given from the wife once the season was over? I haven't finished that yet, but in the process of it, we it, there's a lot of uh, what's the the expression that that like people who've been married for twenty years say the honey do list, right? Um, there's yeah, there's a like lot the of honey do. Yeah, I I I I do it willingly and happily, right? Mm. But. Uh, but no, I, I'm I'm excited for this podcast. It's it uh, as what I got the top on. Of that list? What was on the top of the list? What's the it's top? more. Yeah, it's it's like plans that had been put off in terms mm. of like we need to get together with these people and these people and these people that kind, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but you're no, trying as, to postpone them still. You don't want to get together with those people. <laughs> I, I I like getting together with the two those of you. Those people you don't want to get so, together with those people. <laughs> no. So uh as we got on, Marissa said, it seems like it's been so long, right? And it's Thursday. Our podcast was on Sunday night, but we were right. on such a regular schedule that going three nights without it. Um oh, and the other thing I, I should say on on that list is uh during the off season, as I've talked about in the past, it's my time to catch up on like on modern entertainment right mm. so uh we've been watching the show yellow jackets oh and, people like uh, yellow jackets yeah so so i had to catch up to her and now i've caught up to her and we're a few episodes done uh, like away it? from the finale uh yeah it's 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 solid i'd rather watch georgia tech yellow jackets than this but <laughs> um 
<laughs> That's a drop. <laughs> little Georgia Tech yellow jackets last night going down to my Deeks. That's why I brought it up there. Yeah. How, yeah. how about Texas A&M over Kentucky last night? Big win there. I only pay attention to one yeah. team. Let's be fair. Um, okay. Yeah. Marissa, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back with you guys. Like I said, I feel like it's been forever and it's only been four days. Mm. We know but, you missed us. And I uh, miss the sickos. We have, uh, we have lots of people uh, inquiring about Shield. Uh, he's just feeling a little under the weather. We send him our love. He's, he's, I think he's actually just upset um, and still laughing about Zach calling me on the Jalen Rager take from uh, the podcast previous. So, by the he's way, entertaining uh, himself with that. Uh, Kentucky won, Texas AM covered. That's the distinction there. Okay. Oh, and you want a lot of lechuga on that bad boy? Well, we have a, uh, a, a listener, Anthony B, who uh, suggested that one. So, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Anthony D, rather, who suggested that one. Anthony so. Davis? No. Um, but, uh, but this is an inside joke between you and one listener. <laughs> no, that's, that's usually my kind of joke. <laughs> Anyways, let's, let's get on with the Eagles. There's, there's, there's a lot going on here. Okay. Well, we did, uh, for about 35 minutes yesterday, heard from Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman, you know, Howie Roseman only talks a few times a year. This is one of our few opportunities to talk to him, uh, publicly. And it was another virtual press conference, which means everybody just asks one question. You go around, you see uh, what little nuggets you can pull, and let's find out what uh, what nuggets there were as we send it over to the Stone Cold Newsman himself. Don't get hit by a car, Zach. The Philadelphia Eagles are going into the offseason with the plans of having Jalen Hurts as their quarterback for 2022. Uh, that was the big takeaway from Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni on on Wednesday. Uh, there are many other nuggets of information that we can discuss, but as far as news items, that was the biggest one. And of course, nothing is ironclad in the sense. If you remember a year ago, this night this news item would have included Howie Roseman considering Carson Wentz a part of his hand, uh, like a finger on his hand, and. For all I know, Carson Wentz, uh, 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 Howie Roseman still has all his fingers intact, so you never know how. Maybe he was Count Rugen. Maybe he had six to begin with. <laughs> um, well, uh, who was that? Antonio Alfonseco? Was That's that right. the? No, uh... had, I believe he had twenty-four digits. He had six on each. Oh, okay. Oh, on his toes as well. Okay, gotcha. I so. Um, and then uh, Jonathan Gannon's been a busy person. The Eagles' defensive coordinator has interviewed so far with the Houston Texans and the Denver Broncos. I believe the Minnesota Vikings still to go. And speaking of the Minnesota Vikings, they interviewed two members of the Eagles front office for their general manager job. Uh, that was Brandon Brown and Catherine Rich, as, uh, as we discussed on the podcast last week. So anyways, those are both, um, uh, that's the news items, but there's a lot from Howie and Nick that we can discuss. Okay, so I think let's let's have this this Jalen Hurts conversation. But before we do that, why don't we just tick off the other small bits of, mm -hmm. of news that that came from that press conference? Um, Brandon Brooks still sort of a mystery, right? What's going on there? Still a, a mystery as far as his status. Uh, there was a and what happened this season, right? Exactly. Now, Howie Roseman said it was important for him that he into the team that he finished the year healthy. Uh, he's he hasn't had an off season in the past three in the past 
three years, right? Because he, he's been coming off season ending injuries the past three years. Uh, so perhaps it was the type of thing they just wanted to get him to the finish line healthy. And he wanted to have these, these months healthy, but clearly he's, he's been out since week two for an injury that wasn't expected to be a season ender injury. So anyways, um, they said, you know, they, they were kind of noncommittal. They they just talked about his health. We'll see. If you look at it from a financial perspective, it's hard to allocate that percentage of your cap space for for someone who started two games during the past two years. Uh, and yes. he would seem to be a post-June 1st possibility if they uh, if they were to cut him or if uh, I, I saw there was a, a report or something out yesterday about him retiring. I have not heard that yet to be the case, but it's certainly something to monitor. Uh, no surprise, Brandon Graham, they're bringing back. Uh, there really was no choice there. Um, that's that's how his contract is set mm -hmm. up, and them potentially losing Derek Barnett means that he's uh, definitely coming back. Uh, there was one other veteran who was uh, who was mentioned. Who was that? Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox. Yeah, that's right. And that was interesting. Not a full. Not a full uh, commitment, right? You know, he acknowledged that there were trade discussions during the season. Yes, yes, acknowledged there were trade discussions. Said Fletcher was in the loop on those, and said that uh, they'll always, you know, think about what's what's best for the team. But they still think Fletcher can uh, can take over games. That's that. That's another player who, from a cap perspective, doesn't make sense for them to move on from him. But they were willing to at least talk about it from a trade, you know, in the trade market in November, October, November. So if you think they, if, if they were willing to trade them then, then it means they were willing to absorb the cap hit if necessary. Uh, Jalen Rager, uh, Nick Sirianni gave a very long answer about how happy he is about the wide receiver position going in depth on his enforcer, JJ Ortega Whiteside, and you know, the importance of Greg Ward in the room. But, uh, he and Howie Roseman acknowledged that Jalen Rager has not been as good as they were hoping. Uh, he called him, uh, Sirianni did, the number three receiver, and Quez Watkins the number two receiver. What did you make of that, um, I guess, show of confidence, lack of lack of show yeah, of confidence I, in Rager? A few things there. I, I thought Howie Roseman, for Howie Roseman to acknowledge, like they expected more production, which is obvious, right? But it, it's, a, it's a very... It, I thought he was fairly pointed as, as, as much as he is in these cases that, 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 that they recognize the underachievement here. They weren't making excuses for him. I think you it, can like, just like you can contrast the Jalen hurts answer to the Carson Wentz answer. You can probably contrast the Rager answer to the way he spoke about Andre Dillard last off season. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Which was, which, point. which was much more supportive and much more yes. like, we still think we have a very good player. Well said. That's a, that, that's a that's a very good example there, and 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 then for Nick Sirianni to make a clear delineation between Quez Watkins as the number two and Jalen Rager as the number three, and then I was in the car this morning. Um, took the kids to school, and I was uh, Flex. <laughs> Flex taking the kids to school. So and did I in was, the car this morning. Actually, okay. it was raining. You know. Yeah, and was listening to Nick Sirianni on uh, on on WIP, and he was talking about Rager, and he said. Rager has has to understand he's he's not you know he's not the number one receiver like he's been at at TCU and in high school and and he's not gonna get ten targets a game so he has to make the most of you know what what comes to him something uh, I'm 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 paraphrasing here something of of that nature but that's relevant because if if you want to read between the lines maybe like behind the scenes Jalen Rager thinks he he should be more involved in the offense and 
and isn't the, uh, you know, I, I was using the example of Nelson Aguilar back in 2017, 16, going into 17. So same stage in his career. And frankly, I, I think Nelson was more of an underachiever through two years than um, really? Joe Rager's been. Yeah, I mean, Nelson Aguilar, they had the bench. Like, like they had the, he, they had to, they inactivated. If they had, a, if they had yeah. someone else to play, the Eagles would have benched Jalen Rager. Okay. All right. All right. Maybe so. But I, I mean, feel they, like Aguilar at least like had flashes of like being able to get open. Well, like 2016 was really bad. You know, he, he couldn't even line up correctly. Right. They, they had a touchdown taken off the board because he didn't line up correctly. And then he had two drops in the, in that same game. And, uh, and the wide receivers were worse in 16 than they were this year. Uh, but that, and, and by the way, that, that off season, they did everything they could to protect themselves from Aguilar having a big role. You know, they, they signed Alshon Jeffrey. They signed Torrey Smith, Jordan Matthews at, at, at that time was coming off a few productive seasons. And, uh, and Nelson went into the offseason as the number four guy. But if you listen to what they said, they were saying Nelson, he, you know, he he works really hard. He does everything right. There's a lot of talent there. It's up to Mike Rowe was the new wide receivers coach. It's up to Mike Rowe to figure out how to get this out of him. And that spring and summer, Nelson was outstanding to the point that they traded Jordan Matthews because they said they had to get this guy on the field. Uh, and they got Ronald Darby. <laughs> but but behind the scenes, I think they looked at Nelson as far as, you know, they looked at Nelson differently than they looked at Jalen Rager. So I, I, I'm not in the building every day. I was back then. I can't say what the staff thinks about uh, Rager specifically. You know, there's, there's a lot that I'm hoping to learn more of this off season, but I interpreted the comments also as, as like saying to Jalen Rager, like, we're not happy with you right now. I think the difference between the two of them and their underachievement in the first two seasons is that, like I said, like Aguilar, at least like his mistakes on the field were all mental. Like he, he looked like the player they thought they had drafted physically. Right. Whereas with Rager, I feel like he has never shown the like elite athleticism they thought they were getting uh, on the field. I also think it's like, this is an interesting, um, conversation about you know how how Sirianni talks about before the season every position coach you know has a conversation with every player about their role on the team yes and I think that like that makes sense to a degree but it can get thorny like if if it's a guy like Rager and you're telling him you know your job is to be a three um, but like what makes a wide receiver good is having that like like pathological idea that you're the best player on the field and like to to tamp that down a little bit I wonder I wonder how that affects some guys. That's interesting. And and maybe so. Like but what if it, you told Deshaun Jackson when he comes in that like you're 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 just here to stretch the field, you're just the number two? Like sure. But uh, if if you are I I I don't want to reflect anything that I, I don't know to be the case. So I was gonna say if you're pouting, it, 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 I'm sorry, but if if you're pouting, if you're frustrated, um, and I don't know if if that's the case, but what I can say is in Rager's public comments to us, um, I don't want to use the term disillusioned, but it was like he would take umbrage to any characterization that he was under, you know, that that he was underachieving or anything of that nature. And uh, I understand you need to have a certain amount of self-confidence, but you also need to have a certain amount of self-awareness as well. 
And for that's fair. If if he walks away from the season thinking that oh uh, the 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 fans are too hard, I, I didn't a get my sweet catches in training camp. Yeah, I didn't get my opportunity. You know the the way they used me, things of that nature. Then uh, then I think that would be more of a concern. Yeah, I don't think I, I think it is uh, it is nowhere near a guarantee that that he will be on the team next year. Um, okay. Speaking of which, why don't we, why don't we pivot to, to the Jalen Hurts conversation? Um, and I think if you had asked us before the press conference, what they were going to say, we probably would have predicted something like this. Uh, you know, this was the most sensible thing to do. It is still the most likely option. Uh, the most likely scenario that Jalen Hurts will return as the starting quarterback in 2022. And so, because that's the case, you have to, you know, publicly proceed uh, with like a full backing. You're also uh, signaling to the league that you consider him a starting caliber quarterback for like leverage in trade discussions. You're a little bit less desperate for a quarterback that way. And also, if you uh, enter into something where maybe Hertz is going the other direction in a deal, his value uh, to you is as a starting starting caliber quarterback. Um, but I thought like reading between the lines a little bit, again, as you said, contrasted with the fingers on the hands from last year, it's not like we can take it uh, purely at face value, but I thought it was um, maybe like a, a touch or a smidge more convincing than uh, just sort of, um, you know, public declaration. You're right. Uh, you're right. I, I, I thought it, they went a little farther than, Frankly, I expected. I I, I thought they were going to keep that that door cracked open a little more than they did. Now that door is always open, right? The easiest thing for for you to say, if if let's say hypothetically you traded for Russell Wilson, the easiest thing for you to say is we had every intention of having Jalen Hurts as our starting quarterback. When you have an opportunity to get something oh, like you know, quarterback, yeah. yeah, they 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 they, they called. We yeah, it's our obligation to the fan base to listen, right? Right. But, and in the same press conference, how he says it's our job to look at every, exactly. everybody and everything. Right? Um, so. But I also look Howie for whatever um, people say about him. He's 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 shrewd in terms of like he he know he's been doing this for a long time. He he knows that's gonna be the first question in the press conference, right? And he he knows his his answer to that is going to be very important. Um, and I think he probably had a sense of the marketplace going into this offseason. He probably has a sense of a a their evaluation of of Hertz, like how they think of him relative to the 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 quarterback draft class, and then probably what the price would be for these high profile guys. And what the uh, what the price would you know what the interest from these high and when I say high profile guys I'm, I'm saying Wilson and Watson and Rogers let's say and like if there's interest in that sense in those guys even coming to Philadelphia I can and, and Bo and I have talked off off the air about this um, I can't Black. see the Eagles yeah you know, I, I I've seen two different places that have that has that's that's mentioned Kirk Cousins as like a possibility for the Eagles. That I can't see, the, I can't see the Eagles going with this, like Kirk cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, like that, that car. Exactly. I, the only route I could see is that bona fide, um, like perennial pro Bowl or that. franchise quarterback guy, because that you can explain if, if, if you go and you traded for Kirk cousins, it's like, wait, how can we even take what you said? 
at face value ever again, right? It also doesn't make sense. Like, yes, like a Kirk Cousins is not a like a uh, franchise like changing player, raising yeah. ra- a tide raising all boats or whatever the exactly. saying is, right? Like, yes, Russell Wilson, if he is Russell Wilson, and we can we will have time to debate that, you know, whether he is declining or not. But uh, if he is like Hall of Fame Russell Wilson, he does give them a chance to like potentially compete if if a few people make leaps right. like for the top of the league, right? Kirk Cousins does not. He costs money. Like the like the whole reason to have Jalen Hurts right now and give him an extra year is because he's on the third year of his rookie contract. Uh, you you buy into the upside and then you make a decision next offseason. It makes no sense at all to uh, to bring in a guy like a, a a placeholder who is like basically the same sort of level as play of player as Jalen Hurts was this season. Yeah, I agree there. I think Russell Wilson is is. That's that's Peyton Manning going to the Broncos in 2013. That's taking a playoff team with Tim Tebow there. Not necessarily, and, but but they hope no, but it, they, that would be the theory behind it, right? That would be. I'm the, saying, yeah, and 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 that's my personal opinion. Like he he changes the trajectory of of your franchise, in my personal opinion, and we can we can discuss that another day. Um, but uh, but I I think that when Howie Roseman went up there. He had a, a sense of the marketplace. He had a sense of what's possible. He had a sense of what's probable. And I think the most probable outcome here, and it's certainly not a bad outcome, is Jalen Hurts to be your starting quarterback. Now, I, I don't want to shift the conversation away, but that also ties into what Jalen Hurts needs to do to get better because we can all agree he, he needs to get better. And one thing— Probably he, his worst game of the year in the, yeah, in the playoffs. And he, he really harped on two things the other day. Uh, he harped on first off when he was asked specifically about, um, you know, what he needs to do to improve as a passer. He said that going back to his freshman year at Alabama, he's had a mm-hmm. different play caller every year, and he thinks being in the same system will help him a lot, right? And and so we'll see. And then the other thing. Even for for somebody who would who like rejected any question about his ankle, like was like insulted that you would bring it up. It's he true. comes to he, he comes to the post game press conference with the boot on, right? Okay, and it, it certainly was. I imagine it was necessary, but it was very it was very clear. I, I think he wanted us to see him with the boot, and then he made clear how much that affected him late in the year. Like his answer during the season was, "Hey, right. we're winning, right?" And now he's saying he. He couldn't be freaky. Right. Well, now uh, I can with, be honest with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't able to be freaky in the uh in the last month of the year. Unlike your um, hotel neighbors. <laughs> I think the context is different here, but but, but who knows, right? Um but uh no, so I I uh I imagine a healthier Jalen Hurts with another year in this offense and a full offseason working with the coaching staff, um, uh, perhaps that can be beneficial. The one thing I'll say is, is, and this is no disrespect to the Eagles coaching staff. Like he's worked with high level coaches now for five years, right? Uh, um, he's, you know, getting right. back to Alabama at Oklahoma, even last year, Doug Peterson, that's like, he said, Spango, no shortage. Marty. He, he said, no, sh- it's, it's not like he was in a pop Warner system. And now all of a sudden it's like, welcome to the NFL. We're, you know, we're going to get right. our hands on you now. Um, but uh, I, I thought the best point came from 
I think there is a very, I, I think there is like at the same time, something to that, that it might be nice for him to have sure. uh, two years in a row. And also like it's overrated probably. I think. It's but what Nick Sirianni about. said, I thought Sirianni gave, uh, he gave a good answer in that in his, um, the, when he was talking about what needs to be done to be more accurate, he said, it's, it's not like just your fundamentals. It's, it's knowing where you're going with the ball setting your feet and throwing it right and so perhaps another year in that in the offense will right. give him it will make him uh a touch faster in making these decisions allow him to get his his feet underneath him yeah i mean if if he is back as the quarterback next year that's like the whole kit and caboodle for next season is is how much better of is he as a processor uh do the reps build up and like expedite his uh, ability to get the ball out um i think that's like that's that's everything so um now what about uh what about in the draft zach do you feel like these comments made you feel um uh even more convinced that they will not take a quarterback in the draft at the top of the draft at least yes or yeah yes i i think uh for a few reasons i i think you put it well last year too when I was saying, uh, you know, this is a really good draft class. They're in the top 10. They, they really need to think about it. And you said, you don't know if, if they're ready to kind of hitch their wagon to a guy. And I, I thought that was a really good point because, um, you know, I, I've had people bring up to me, why is the conversation different about Jalen Hurts than it was about Mac Jones? Well, the difference is also the organizational investment. When you take a guy in the first round of the draft, you're committing – two, three years to that player. Now I, I understand there's, you know, jo the, the Josh Rosen situation. There's always examples, which are the exceptions, but, but, but by and large, if you invest first round pick in a quarterback, he's your guy for two, three years before you're even thinking about moving on. And, uh, and we saw that with Carson Wentz, right? Um, part of the, the reason why uh, you choose him over Nick Foles is the organizational investment that you have in him. Um, and, and so, uh, I think the, the, the Eagles don't have the same organizational investment into Jalen Hurts. If, if they were to spend a first round pick on a quarterback, then you're committing to that guy being your starter and building at some point and building around him. And I don't know if they're ready to do that yet, especially with anyone in this draft class. Now I, I, I wouldn't uh, rule it out, but I would say they're, they're not going to stay at 15 and take a quarterback. You know what I mean? If they if there's a quarterback they like, I think they're going to go up and get him. Um, because really? if you if you well if you if you evaluate this quarterback class right, and you decide that one of them is worth, like you think is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts is worth bringing in to be your your franchise quarterback, you don't wait and sit there at 15. Mm -hmm. um, you 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 got to go up and get him. And I feel like like waiting precludes uh, drafting a quarterback because if you love a guy that much that you like him more than Jalen Hurts, then you shouldn't be waiting. You, you have the ammo. Go up and get him. You know what I mean? I do. And I there's there's kind of two ways of looking at this. First, there's the uh, there's the 2000 the, the because they're not in a situation to like just take a quarterback just to take one. Yeah. So that's what so, so that's what I was going to say. The story you wrote in, uh, about the Eagles moving up in the 2016 draft. One of the things that jumped out to me there was that like going into the senior bowl, they didn't think, Car you know, these guys were going to be one, two, right. 
it, it was the type of thing where throughout the draft process, quarterbacks tend to move up the board. The flip side is 2013 shows, like just because you want a quarterback, if there's not a quarterback there that you love, you don't you don't take them. Um, and that was the year where actually, um, yeah, that was Geno Smith, EJ Manuel. Even the next year, 2014. EJ Manuel, that was so. Crazy. Yeah, uh, to the day in 2014, it was it was Blake Bortles, it was um, Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, uh, I think Kaepernick, right? Um, so uh, I could be wrong. No, uh, Manzel was. Uh, mm. Yeah, Manzel was was 14. Um, so anyway, so 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 that's a, a way of saying that uh, that just because you want. A quarterback or you might need a quarterback or you, or you have the inventory you have to love the guy to take him. you you so well and it's also why they don't know if they're going to take a quarterback yeah. yet because if they're going to take a quarterback it's going to take like full buy on buy-in from sirianni and like yep. he's got to fall in love with the guy and he hasn't begun that process yet so like it's it's certainly possible that that could happen with one of these with one of these prospects i think it's it's too early to say um but i think like I said, I, I can't imagine them staying there and taking a quarterback. Well, like Jimmy Kemsky asked the question yesterday, and, he, and it was a good one. You don't know if you're going to have another year with these types of, of resources, right? Where you right. have three first-round picks. They but, have to do the work. They have to do the work on these yes. guys. Um, but uh, that's why, and, and we'll talk about it from now until April, it behooves them, and it's easier said than done, but to get draft inventory for, uh, for next year, to kick the can down the road, on, on Jalen Hurts and have the option if this if Hurts does not take the leap next year to go up and trade for a Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or I mean you know if if the Clemson quarterback can figure it out um you know they and and things always change so yeah we'll see and how we did say like openly that they are willing to you yeah. know try to get future assets with these picks I also think there's a there's a a big picture case or conversation about having these three picks so close together that um, it makes sense to move out from one of them because the likelihood of getting like guys who have fallen on your board at mm -hmm. each of those picks is not very high. Um, so it makes sense. I mean, I, I would be, I would be shocked if they pick at 15, 16 and 19. I don't know. I would you. be shocked too. I think the odds are better that they don't than they do. Right. But, the, but I think the odds are better that they move down and add inventory to move up and, and, and try to get a guy. I yeah. think quarterback is the only, I mean, other than like a, you know, a, a two pick move up or something like that. But I, yeah. I think significantly, I think it's much more likely they moved down. And as, as Dane Brugler pointed out, this is a year where it does, it's, it's not the elite players at the top that you've seen in the past. And, and, the, and, and the way you know, that is uh, in his mock drafts. Now there've been two different number one picks, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's not a year where, where you're like, all right, Player X is your franchise changing player, but it's it's it seems to be a, a year where there's more depth in the middle. So why don't we quickly uh, go through that that mock that that Dane had? Okay. You wrote about it today. He had uh, yes the Iowa center Tyler Linderbaum at five mm -hmm. at fifteen, uh, mm -hmm. the Clemson corner Andrew Booth at sixteen, and then your boy, the Purdue defensive end George Karloftis. Karlaftis? Karlaftis? Yeah, he's not my 19. boy. But go on. Yeah, and then, I, I, uh, I asked Kerrigan about him. But he's not my boy. Yeah, that makes him your boy. He's on your. He was on your mind. And then why? Wyoming linebacker Chad Muma. Yes. In the second round. What did you make? Uh, so yeah. So for full disclosure, or not full disclosure, to pump it up, you can check it out on the Athletic. I wrote why each pick makes sense, why each pick doesn't make sense. 
Um, the Linderboom a pick would surprise me for a few reasons. I think that would be disappointing. Um, because first off, like we've discussed this between Landon Dickerson and Isaac Sayamalu, they have options at center. Uh, they if, if if you just look, three of the four um, centers in the in the Pro Bowl this year, there's a, there's two sixth round picks and a fifth round pick. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't need to tell Marissa center is a position that, that, you know, you can, you can, um, you know, find late and develop. Right. Um, and, uh, so, and Jeff Stoutland has a history of, 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 of developing linemen. But if you think that he can be like a all pro player, then you consider it. It's just, I, I think they, they would probably look elsewhere there. Um, and well, how he was asked about like taking other positions in the first round. And it I, it was interesting. I thought th- I thought this was an interesting answer because he didn't say like you know that's just how the board has fallen. We take you know we take the best player on the board. Like that's what we do. He said like we're going to continue building the team the way we build the team. Like we have a we have yes. a philosophy, which is I mean he's saying what he's showing basically. But but I, I thought it yeah, was based on what that. I know, um, the only time that they were real, you know, there were a few linebackers over the years that like they they thought had. Real good value, Kenneth it's Murray. Easy, it's it's easy to say this after the fact. Luke Keekley was a player that, yeah. like in in 2012, that might have been Keekley over uh, over Fletcher Cox. Um, you know, Christian it, McCaffrey it, they liked, right? Yeah, Christian McCaffrey they really liked in in 2000 and and, uh, and 16 or 17. I'm sorry, 2017. Uh, but um, yeah, they're always if if it's equal, they'll always go with the lineman. Or the corner or the receipt. Yeah, they're they're not gonna go with the linebacker or the interior lineman, let's say. I think um, corner is the one where like they haven't done it under Howie, but I think that is like that they would be willing to. Like that's I think that's been more circumstantial. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Like that, yeah. that's a position that they value. And uh and so I I I do think that there's a chance, whether it's Nicobe Dean, whether it's Devin Lloyd, that they could take one of those guys this year because they have these the the volume of picks there. But if 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 you're on the board and you have Let's say Nicobe Dean has the same range of grade as um oh, like Carloftis. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh then you're leaning toward the edge rusher, you're leaning toward the corner. And I don't fault them for that. Um now I I think the corner that that, that he has going to uh the Eagles, Andrew Booth, that would make sense. Andrew Booth uh checks a lot of boxes athletically, checks a lot of boxes in terms of production, uh, was a real good player at at Clemson. Um, is, do we know, is he related to John Wilkes? You know, I haven't asked anyone about this, but okay. just, I, I would have strong doubt. Um, okay. I've seen Andrew Booth. I don't believe Andrew Booth is related to John Wilkes Booth, but it's a question that needs to be asked at the combine. You're more than welcome to ask that question. Get in the front and say, are you related to John Wilkes Booth? Yes. Um, <laughs> Funny. Um, yeah, no, Andrew Booth is uh that'd be a, an interesting one. And I, I imagine there's gonna be a lot of um pre-draft juice among Eagles fans for Ahmad Sauce Gardner mm. from Cincinnati, who uh was really productive, six three. Um how much is there juice there just because his nickname is Sauce? <laughs> I mean, that's gotta be like 80% of the of the of, hey, of, I mean, of the love, right? Yeah, he's look and he was on a good. He was in a good program there, but um, but there's some interesting corners in this draft, and uh, I think the Eagles will will come out of the first round with either a corner or a safety 
Uh, it's a better corner draft than safety draft. Then the third one he has is 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 Karloftis, and Karloftis is going to be an interesting conversation going in, into the draft because uh, doesn't I think have it'd be fun because then I could do a Greek impression. <laughs> well, he, he he's he's very much like um, that's a big part of his branding. Mm. Um, what's your Greek? I actually don't want to ask what your Greek impression is. I, I, I want to have a job after, after this. So, uh, uh, doesn't have prolific sack production. I'll come on uh, with just chest hair popping out, eating feta, spanakopita. Spanico- <laughs> uh, yeah, his, his, his best sack production came as a freshman in hair. 2019 when he had seven and a half sacks. He's only had five sacks the past two years. I don't have athletic testing on him yet, obviously, but, um, you know, Dane was saying he he's not like a long armed guy, um, and so uh, but he he's he's real powerful, and uh, he's gonna be one who like the analytics. Uh, it's it's gonna be interesting on because from what I've read, his his um, his pass rush production in terms of pressures is really high, right? But uh, his, but be on, his he may not test super well. Yeah, but his sacks aren't. So it's 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 gonna be interesting to see he's. We, Bo's gonna like him because he's he's one of the younger guys in the draft. He's he's mm. gonna be 21 throughout his entire year, throughout his entire rookie season, and uh, was a huge prospect coming out. Started, for, you know, was a day one starter at, at Purdue, so a pedigreed player. And um, the thing about all these like pass rushing stats with with kids in college coming out and how they translate, like you look at you look at the three cone, you look at production pressures. They're so like subjective you know the the thing is it's all greek to me oh okay i see what you're saying there okay um <laughs> and it's the so the the next defensive end that dane had coming off his board was uh jermaine johnson uh from florida state who uh you'd consider like a, a, a late blooming guy he had 12 sacks last year at, at florida state transferred was at georgia or at georgia earlier in his career but like he's he's one who um has more sack production and is expected to test better athletically. We'll see. Um, but, but, but there's some interesting players there and it's a real, it's a real interesting year. And I would put Carloptis in this group for, you know, these like 275, 280 pound DNs who make sense is like three, four DNs, but are they four, three edge guys? I don't want to say Milton William types, but that type of player. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one there. And, you, you know, I mean, the player at Georgia, Trayvon Walker's like that. There's a prospect from Houston like that. So curious to see how the Eagles evaluate that. I got a lot and of work then, to do. I'm excited. Okay. Uh, and then uh, in the uh, in the second round, he had Chad Muma um, from Wyoming. He's, I don't know if it's Muma or Mama. Um, Got to be honest Mume. with you, did not, did not watch a lot of Wyoming this year. He's a, um, he's a Brugger favorite. Chad, Brugger, yeah. Brugger loves him. A lot of production, good love size. Wilson but, too. Loves, those, loves those Wyoming linebackers. How about the Wyoming quarterback, Josh Allen? That, mm. that, that one turned out pretty good. Coached Capital by Carson Wyoming Wentz's is. old coach. What's that? Capital of Wyoming is? Is it Cheyenne? That's right. Yeah, okay. Um, and uh, you, you think if they draft, you know what they would do in Philadelphia if they finally draft a linebacker in the in the first round and it's Chad Muma? What would they do? They'd have a, a Mama's parade. A Muma ah, parade. I like that. Chad Muma. Okay. Okay. The Mama's Parade. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see. 
We'll see. But there's some other linebackers, obviously, mm-hmm. who uh, we're going 40 minutes on the opening segment here. This is this is uh, yeah. I'll stuff. say um, I'm I I'm a nerd for mock drafts. I, I suppose I can end the sentence that I'm a nerd, but uh, I'm a nerd <laughs> for mock drafts. Um, and I, I I did something at, at the end of the piece where I did alternative picks just based on Dane's board. So like who was mm. there at each Oh, pick. like you know more than him. Interesting. No, 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 not that. Just as like a thought exercise, like you do your shadow draft, yep. like based on on who's who's there. And I had N'Kobe Dean, uh, Jermaine Johnson, Kyer Elam, and then uh, and then a Lewis sign. Um, now, I'll say the one thing that uh, mine's obviously, it's leaning toward bigger programs that I see on Saturdays. Dane's a much better, I, I mean, Dane does this, every single day. So he knows these guys much better than I do. And uh, uh, I tend to always lean toward the bigger school guys anyway. So, but it, it was, it was fun to read the mock draft and make sure to check out Dane's piece and all Dane's coverage is outstanding. All right. Let's uh, let's take a little break. Come back on the other side. Talk a little JG Johnny Gannon. What's going on on that front. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, all right, back on Birds with Friends. Zach, uh, what is the latest on Jonathan Gannon? He has been has he interviewed for all three of the openings that he's uh, linked to so far? I don't believe he's interviewed for the Vikings yet. I believe it's 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 been uh, Houston and Denver so far. Do you think they're and having he- that? Do you think they're having that interview on the steps of the uh, art museum? Because the Vikings, like, Vikings fans, fans come. Oh, up okay. Yeah, so like, yeah. I was, yeah, that was a bit of a reach that one, Bo. Um, I mean, they're all. But, but the uh, the one with the um, uh, with the Broncos was in Philly, hmm. from 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 what I understand. Well, that's what I was. Yeah, since they're coming to him. Yes, I have two things uh, that I'd like to talk about on the Gannon front. Let's hear. Um, I guess the first thing is like the meritocracy aspect of it. Um, I like Jonathan Gannon. Uh, like I like talking to him. Uh, we've talked about like he's a guy who can uh, who can win a room. You can convince me that he will be a better head coach than a defensive coordinator. Um, but I do not understand at all this like the his juice as a candidate here. Um, like based on merit, there are so many more qualified candidates and i know that the job of a head coach is different than the job of a defensive Mm -hmm. coordinator um but like just for a one-to-one comparison you've got your boy D'Amico ryans Mm -hmm. who is also a first-year defensive coordinator also a like dynamic personality 
his defense is actually good. Um, and like he played in the league. Uh, he's got, I think, one interview. Okay. He's black. Jonathan Gannon is white. Uh, like all of these, like Todd Bowles or uh or even offensively, Byron Leftwich or Eric Bienemy, all these guys, like it's insane to me that Jonathan Gannon is is um like might might get a head coaching job. Um, and it's nothing against him. I, I think he's really smart. Uh, like I, and it, part of the problem is I am, I am like biased in the same way that the owners are like, you know, I'm a white guy. I talk to him. I think, oh, wow, what a smart guy. But that's not like, that's not how, that's not how the, the, like the people should be hired. That should not be the process. And it's hard, like, it's hard to imagine being a minority candidate and seeing Jonathan Gannon getting three interviews and thinking that there's like any fairness in the process at all. Um. All right. All right. Yeah. Here. I. I. I hear what you're saying. I. I mean. I think that. Uh. I think the problem goes beyond like Jonathan Gannon. Like if 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 you're in the hiring process, and and you and you want to talk to Jonathan Gannon because you've either worked with him before and you think this guy's gonna be a really good head coach or you've you've heard in the business that 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 he's gonna be a, a, a really good head coach then um then yeah you should absolutely you're doing a disservice frankly to your job by not talking to him but he's not the only person you're talking to obviously right you as as shield wrote in in his in in his uh list here cast a wide net speak to as many people as you can and don't That's speak true. to people that you know you know, and and the the three interviews that he's had are places that he has a connection either with the organization or the person making the hire, and uh, and well, like you know, yeah, yes, yeah. So 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 don't just talk to people you know. But the flip side to that is is I would I would be hypocritical if 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 I were to say like just look at the defensive stats, right? Because I say you're, you're, you're not hiring a resume. You're hiring a person, right? You're, you're, you're hiring someone for the qualities that they have to be a head coach. Mike Tomlin was a defensive coordinator for what a year, two years um, in, in, in Minnesota. And they brought him in to talk to him. I believe the other candidates then were Russ Grimm and, and Ken Wisenhunt. And they hired Mike Tomlin and 15 years later, right? He's never had a losing season. You're 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 not hiring someone because of the resume. You're hiring someone because of of what he or or, or one day she could do as as a head coach. Um. So, uh, if if you're in that position and you believe that Jonathan Gannon has the leadership qualities and the personality qualities and the organizational qualities to be a good head coach, you should talk to him, right? Um, but it shouldn't, you know, so, uh, so I, I don't want to hold that against him, but it, it, it should be a wide ranging search. And I agree, like based on resume alone, um, and I mean, D'Amico Ryans, who for all, all those reasons you said, uh, that would be more appealing to me. D'Amico, I, I, mean, it's a, I it's can a say that direct one-to-one comparison in, like. in my 10 years covering the team, there has not been a more, well, there are. There are few people who are at, who are, are more respected than D'Amico, number one. And, and I think of all the people that I've I've coached, he's the one who his coaches and his teammates would say that person would make the best head coach from like a leadership perspective. 
D'Amico was revered. Um, he was revered by teammates. He was revered by coaches. I said last year when they were interviewing Jared Mayo, if you're going to talk to Jared Mayo, you, you need did. to talk to D'Amico Ryan. Um, and that's, that's, and, and, and by the way, I would be part of the problem in that case because I'm going with someone that I know right. as opposed to someone that I don't, right? So, uh, but yeah, I would cast a really wide net. I wouldn't have a decision made before you start. Um, and uh, I think it's it's unfair to, to Jonathan like to to make him the face of a problem that is yeah, that, that goes well beyond I'm not, I don't, And I right? don't mean, yeah, not, I don't mean to cast yeah. aspersions at him. And he's yeah. not like he should like turn down these interviews. Yeah. I just like, it's very difficult for me to imagine um, if Jonathan Gannon had his exact resume, but his skin color was different, that he would be getting three interviews. Well, but if if his if he had the same resume and and he he they worked were like with, a 25th with, best defense no, but, this no, year, but, I'm, but but that's what I'm saying. If if he I'm saying the same resume in that if he worked with George Payton in Minnesota and he was in the Vikings organization and him and Nick Casario have a background, right? Um, that would uh, then yeah, that makes sense. But um, but based on like the production of his defense alone. And the way his defense played, no, it's it's hard to justify that. And, and that's what I said. Like, if you are if you're a fan of the team, if he is hired, it's it's reasonable to be skeptical. Um, but what you're but I, I keep going back to uh if you're hiring someone based purely on like their offense or their defense's production, then um I don't know if if that's a one-to-one translation to how they're going to be as a head coach it's 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 leadership it's personality it's organizational uh a matter of fact that you know one thing that i hear from first-time coaches is how little of their job they is like spent on football relative to all the other things they have to deal with right and uh and that so that's that's a big chunk of it but i'm 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 very curious to see what happens in this hiring cycle i think uh and again, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, there, there absolutely should be um, more, uh, more minority coaches, not for just for representation purposes, but because, like, just, just it, it, the, 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 the best coaches, the, the best thirty-two people for jobs, like, or, or whatever percentage is, can all like look? It's right. just they don't all look the same. The so exactly. yeah, it, 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 exactly. So it's not just representation; it's it's finding the best coach, and and that's uh, that's why you need to cast yeah, a like really it wide. It should net. be a it should be a uh, like a market advantage, like because just the odds are that you're you're better off hiring uh, like what? There's only one black head coach right now, right? Is Tomlin the only black head coach? Yes. Now there's a lot of seats that there's what seven right, jobs right. open. Okay. So yeah, there's, so, a, there's yeah. a better chance you're going to get a good head coach from like the second uh, best black head coach than the like 25th best white guy. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just odds. Yeah. Odds but, are, right. But interestingly, like I think that, that the, the characterization you gave that would apply more to like hiring Nick Sirianni a, a year ago. And Nick did the best of then, then, than yeah. Gannon because I think well, again, where, I don't think I don't think that Jonathan Gannon would be a bad head coach necessarily. I think he could yeah, be a so very that's, good head coach. That's but that's not really the that's not really the problem. And, the, and 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 so what I'm saying is I think one of the issues that comes up in coaching and and we talked about this a year ago 
is um, they is owners or or people who are making the decision to hire the coach. They're looking at offensive minded coaches, okay, and right. and and so that and uh, just for so because for Jonathan re- Gannon uh, gave up such a good completion percentage. No, so for for reasons that that uh, that are un- unfair and needs to change. Right, more quarterback coaches tend right. to be white. More offensive co- uh, more offensive coordinators tend to be white, and and so the 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 pipeline needs to change like organically there from a grass, you know, from having more um, minority coaches as as quarterback coaches and as offensive coordinators. But if you're hiring Jonathan Gannon, you're going against the grain, and you're hiring a defensive coach, right? You're hiring a a younger defensive coach. Um, who doesn't have this long resume that a lot of the defensive coaches have. Um, so, uh, but a, a Nick Sirianni was like, that's like, uh, all right, we're hiring the offensive coordinator of a coach that we knew. Right. Um, so, so that kind of fits the profile and Sirianni, by the way, uh, like we said, ha- ha- he, he did the best of any first year head coach. And yeah, totally. I think he's done a really good job. So, uh, this is all a way of saying that um, you need to talk to as many people as as possible and hire the best person. But I I, I believe just be, you know, I believe that the best person isn't always going to look the way that they've been hired to look like. Well, so, and it's all yeah. it's all like part and parcel of the same thing, you know, like the league setting aside John Gruden as if he was like some lone wolf black sheep like the only guy who who talks like this in the league like as in, instead of representative of the entire culture and we it it just it stops there and we pretend and you know meanwhile like we just let the guy who was like his right hand man for 20 years get to be the new head coach and Jake Gruden's getting interviews with the with the Panthers like give me a break this this like you know, see uh, th- this pretend like put the wool over our eyes. We don't see what's going on. Is is ridiculous. Anyway, uh, I think there is. Uh, I didn't I think- know. By the way, when you said when you texted, you wanted to have a conversation on on Jonathan Gannon. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to railroad you. I I thought we were talking about like based on my insight into him, like like how's he, you know, what's the appeal? How's he going to come off in interviews? I didn't know we were going down this way, but uh, but I, I I I do enjoy this conversation. So I have a I, I think there's an interesting eagle specific um, angle to this as well, which is. I mean, I guess, like, to what degree do you think that the Eagles' defensive philosophy this season was Jonathan Gannon's philosophy versus something that the Eagles organization was trying to buy into? And I think it's also part of the conversation of, you know, Howie Roseman was talking yesterday about how important it is for, you know, the the scouting staff and the GM to be picking players for the coaching staff, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, if you went into last year's draft or like last year's offseason filling players for Jonathan Gannon's defense and he's gone in a year, um, like, was that a waste? Shouldn't you instead be picking the best players and it's the coach's job to find the right way to use those guys? And I know that that's um, probably wishful thinking uh, and it probably needs to be somewhere in between. But um, I also think that if like if you are you know, generally speaking, a general manager has more job security than the head coach, right? So mm-hmm. if the GM is able to like pin bad picks on like, well, the coaches wanted him, like I just gave them who they wanted, that doesn't really create the right incentives either. 
Um, but I'm curious to see, like, if Jonathan Gannon does get a job, do the Eagles continue to run like this similar thing? Uh, are, you know, did they just want some Brandon Staley type guy who was going to, you know, play Ben, Ben don't break, or did they actually just want Jonathan Gannon? And would they then bring in, you know, like a Vic Fangio and, and run something completely different? That's, that's a good point. Uh, and, and so uh, a few things there. First off, yeah, I, I think part of it was Jonathan Gannon, right? Jonathan Gannon's name came up from different coaches that they interviewed. Um, and I, I, I think the, uh, they were intrigued by adding Gannon as, as the coordinator. And Gannon has a certain way of playing. And, and, uh, and I should say Sirianni too. Like, is, is, the, yes. is it also the philosophy that Sirianni yeah. wants? Um, and I, I can understand it philosophically. I'm of the opinion you need to get to the quarterback. You need to get down the court. You know, you need. I don't think these two things are mutually exclusive, right? Like, I think you can prevent the big play and still, still pressure the quarterback. I, I, I don't think you need to be at this this blitz happy group. Um, their defensive linemen need to play better. I, I think there was a talent issue there too. Look, we've discussed it. Eight, uh, the last eight first and second round picks that the Eagles have made have been offensive players. The reason why we're talking about them drafting potentially three defensive players in the first round is because there is a va- uh, like a, a vacuum of young talent or a void of young talent in uh, on the defensive depth chart. Um, and it was Jonathan Gannon in his first press conference when he said, "Like, you know, sh- you know, show me my players, and I'll t- and I'll tell you what my defense is." Right um, now, part of that was just him him, him saying it. He tried to fit this group into playing this way. And he did make adjustments as you pointed out in your Darius Slice story. Right. Uh, but overall, I, I do think that uh, this is philosophically, they were interested in Jonathan Gannon and, and I, I think Sirianni liked the way he played, but if Gannon got a different job, then I, I could see them making adjustments based on their personnel. And I think you hire the, I don't think they would hire a scheme. I think they would hire a, a, a defensive coordinator. And by the way, to circle back to our previous conversation, like saying, well, well, let's replace Jonathan Gannon with like established defensive coordinator X, right? And Vic Fangio, by all indications, is like one of the best, you know, um defensive minds out there. But but that's like part of the problem too, right? Let's just let's just, you know, recycle right. the same, you know, that I mean, perhaps uh Denard Wilson is an right. outstanding defensive coordinator. Perhaps, you know, you go on down the list, right? So uh but no, I I'm I'm curious to see if if Gannon leaves, what direction they go, and I don't think they should be married to the scheme. I I, I think they should find the best coordinator for their defense, and perhaps that's recycling someone like Gus Bradley, or like you said, Vic Fangio, or or like Gus Bradley. Yeah, but but maybe it's it's finding the next Jonathan Gannon, the next Amico Ryan's, or you know you know someone like that. Yeah. Okay. All right, we uh, we take uh, one more break and then we'll be, be back on the other side with uh, maybe the most deranged game that we've ever played on Birds with Friends. We should saying something. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right. Back on Burns with Friends. Uh, Sheil, if you're listening and you've made it this far, you can you can turn this uh, episode off. You are not going to want to listen to the last segment here. Uh, Zach, yesterday the Eagles signed 11 players. From their practice squad to futures <laughs> contracts, uh, we, you, and I are going to rank them one oh, to eleven in the likelihood that we think they have a chance to be on the week one fifty-three man roster next year. Have you done so? I've did the top of my list, yes, and then I'll just fill in the bottom. I mean, oh, I was actually I was thinking we were going to start from the bottom. Oh, really? <laughs> okay, start at eleven. Right. Why? <laughs> you weren't kidding with this game, Bo. I told you. Um, this like, is a game I, for you, me, and, and Denise. I I can't tell you the difference between. Like, well, you have to. All right, fine. What well, I'll give you my last roster? one. I'll give you my last one. Okay, I'll go with eleven. Okay, we'll say it at the same time. Ready? Yep. Number eleven. One, two, three. Matt, Matt Leo. Leo. Okay. Yes. Oh, Sorry, Matt. Sorry, Matt. Poor Matt Leo. Does the international uh, exemption extend to next year? I believe. I believe he gets to be on the practice squad one more year. I could be one wrong. Maybe it was two okay. years, and now it's put up or shut up time. Okay. Maybe that's right. Maybe. Okay. Maybe he's on the hook now. All right. Are you ready for number ten? Yes. Okay. Number ten. In this, this is a, of course, Quack to the Future is the name of this game. Uh, exciting to debut a new game on Birds with Friends. Uh, number 10, three, two, one, Dion Kane. Oh, Whoa. look at that. Nice. Mind. Same page, same page. Now, yes. this is not the um, uh, detestable former Superman star, Dean Kane. This is Dion. What made Kane. him detestable? Oh, he's like a big, uh, he's a big mega guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Right. He's complaining about how liberal Hollywood is and stuff like that. Okay. I used to enjoy watching that. Uh, I, I remember as a kid, that was on Sunday nights. I, think. I actually I actually enjoyed that show too. Yeah. As I yeah. remember as a kid. Yeah. Lois Lane and Clark Kent. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Those are still the main uh, people in, in the Superman <laughs> No, but that world. was the show. The show was called, it, it was like Superman with Lois Lane and Clark Kent or something. Mm. Uh, okay, number nine. Here, 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 here. someone said Claire uh, Flax. The Adventures of Lois and Clark. There you go. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Um, number nine. Are you ready for number nine? Do you have number nine on your mind? Yes. Okay. Ready? Yes. Three, two, one. Noah Tangiai. Okay. Ooh. Maybe this is bad. Maybe this is bad for us to reveal at the same time because now you will rate. Noah Tangia lower than you would have otherwise. 
Honestly, I don't think I'm my I'm gonna adjust my list. Okay. Okay. All right. I, no, but this is what I'm saying. I, I don't feel so strongly that Christian Ellis should be over Noah Tonga. <laughs> okay, well, so I'm not dying thought about it more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Now we move to number eight. Number Are eight. Are we still doing the same time thing or yeah, we've already started. Okay. okay. You ready? Yep. Number eight. Ready? Three, two, one. Cameron Malvo. Okay. Ooh. Oh, Marissa, blown away. <laughs> I mean, Cameron Malvo is like 28 years old. Uh, number seven. Number seven. Are you ready? Yes. Three, two, one. Craig. No Tonki Eye. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that's a, this is an all time birds of friends <laughs> moment for me. Okay. <laughs> all right. You ready for number six? Yes. Number six, three, two, one. Marvin Cameron Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. You ready for number five? Uh, they actually have Marvin Wilson higher than you. This is or a lot higher than you. This is interesting. Okay, okay. Let's go. Number five. Three, two, one. Christian Marvin Ellis. Wilson. <laughs> okay. You said you had, a, you had him a lot higher than me. You had him was, one spot. I was joking there. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think you're actually right. Maybe I should have flipped those two. Okay. I just think it's easier to make it a linebacker. Okay. All right. But this that sounds like that means we have the same top four. Not in the same order necessarily, but the same <laughs> no, top four. This is so this suspenseful. Is for yes. the Eagles fans who are really plugged in on the futures contracts, who do I need to know? Who's going to be interesting to follow over the offseason? These four guys. These are the top four. These are the four horsemen of the 2022 futures contract players. Zach. By the way, like- I, I, I just want to say – Two years ago, okay, I did like 20 predictions for 2020. And one, and there was one on that list that Bo gave me so much grief for. And we can – I think this was on a podcast that we can actually go back and find it. And one of them was one player signed to a futures contract yeah. is going to make the team. And Bo was like, that prediction? Why? How's a futures contract guy going to make the team? Like, do you really think well, it's going to happen? Somebody and now we're doing a whole to, segment on this. Yes. Someone sent an email to the Birds of Friends uh, Gmail uh, calling you and Shield to account um, for uh, dr- uh, you, especially for drumming up the uh, the Rager rankings, because uh, he said that it goes against the entire ethos of the show, which is that, uh, as Shield says, you say something, nobody remembers it, and then you move on. So that's shields. That's not the entire ethos of the show. I I never signed a contract that says you put things out there that have your name on it and you don't stand (laughs) by it. Right now. I do think your opinion can change. Uh, My big pet peeve, by the way, in the, I was going to say in the internet era, that makes me sound (laughs) so old. Right. Like, is that some, is that, is there's this notion that if, if you have one opinion, that's your opinion forever. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's like, oh, you thought this guy was not going to be good. Well, your information changed. Right. Yeah, so, you didn't know that right before the draft, I dropped Rager way down in my ranking. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. All right. Um, so we're in our top four now. OK. Top four. Are you ready? Yep. The four players who we think are most likely to make the opening week one 53 man roster. Number four. Are you ready? Yep. Three, two. One, Jaden McCain. Mm. Okay. Ooh, interesting. You go Mac McCain. I go Jaden Maiden. Number three, three, two, one, Mac McCain. Maiden. Uh, this is very interesting. 
Now, McCain, of course, the Eagles had a chance uh, to keep him around. They cut him twice, kept him around. But there's so many people shuffling young corners at that young corner position. Maybe he's a chance to impress in the preseason. By the way, what did you call uh, Jared Maiden? You call him Jaden Maiden? Jaden Maiden, yeah. Isn't it Jared? I mean, on his birth certificate, but as far as I'm concerned, it's Jaden Maiden. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Uh, Number two, very exciting. Okay. Number two, the second most likely player to make the opening day roster. Three, two, one. Jacoby Coyote Awashika. Wow. Wow. Shots fired, Zach. You go Coyote Awashika two. I go Coyote Awashika one. And you go Jacoby Stevens one. Wow. So I just want to say, I texted Bo when Bo texted me about this game. I wrote to him, I respect your craftiness in getting us to talk about Cody, about Coyote Awashika. That this entire segment was basically for Bo to say Coyote Awashika has a chance to make the team next year. No, I thought it was going to be really good drama. Okay. Uh, I thought that this was an opportunity to talk about something with Shield gone that he wouldn't let us talk about otherwise. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that Coyote Awashika is uh, the nuts. So I'll actually give I'll give 30 seconds on why I disagreed. Because I, I actually thought about putting Awashika here on top of the list. They're deep with offensive linemen. They don't have a lot of old, you know, now Brandon Brooks, I'm assuming he's not going to be on the play. I think it's a reasonable but, case to make. Yeah, but um, but if they draft an interior guy, um, it makes it harder for Awashika to make the team. They don't have a lot of free agents in that group unless they don't bring Nate Herbig back. Um, but uh, whereas Jacoby Stevens, I think he has, you know, Juice is a special teams guy. I actually like the way he played on special teams late in the year. And there's the linebackers aren't like most in, you know, they're, they're, it's not an, an, an entrenched group right now. So I can make an argument for Jacoby Stevens being on the team. Now, uh, tough draw. Um, and Marissa can speak to this because I know this happened to uh, to Michael. But to be one of the guys on the practice squad who is not signed to a futures contract, what a blow. What a blow to the self-esteem. Michael actually told um, when the season ended uh, last week, he was telling – he got together with some of his friends and he was telling them this whole story about when he was in Jacksonville and his agent was like pushing the AF and he was like, nah, I just want to sign the futures contract, whatever. And he was like, no, like you should do the AAF, that whole thing. And then his agent was like, well, there is no futures contract. So yeah. you're doing the AAF pretty much. And Michael was like totally like taken back by it. So his offensive line coach ended mm. up getting fired there. And, you know, it ended up all working out. But yeah, it is a pretty, pretty big blow, especially when you think, uh, you know, you were with the team for most of the season yeah. or stuff like that. So then he went to Seattle in the pandemic hit. Yeah wild there's is there a story we can read about this journey yes actually if you want to check it out um at theathletic.com uh the great bo wolf wrote an amazing story on uh his journey back in in and out of the league and what's what's what 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 does uh michael dunn have planned for the offseason um writing his vows hopefully (laughs) um Helping me plan a wedding over this next week. What do you think? How much do you think I could slip to Michael to get him to begin his vows with hello, everybody? (laughs) If you helped him write the rest, (laughs) I guarantee he would 
easily start with that. <laughs> and true to Bo Wolf, there'd be three people in the audience who would understand that joke. So yeah. that's a that's a that's a Bo joke right there. Connor Hughes might get up and walk out because he's so hurt. <laughs> that's great. We um, gotta make this happen, Michael. I know you're listening. By the way, for our our audience, so we've done this whole segment. We should explain what a futures contract is. Okay. Um, if, cause I do think that's important to point out if you're not, <laughs> if, if you're not on the active roster at the end of the season, okay, then you sign a futures contract, which basically, uh, has you on the team throughout the off season. So you're with the team to start of the off season program. You'll go to training camp, that, that, that type of thing. You're eligible if you're not on, a, on a, on a, on a contract at the end of the year, because practice squad deals, expire at the end of the season right, at the end of the regular basis, season yeah. they're a, a mm-hmm. weekly thing it's different if if you're on the 53 man roster you're you have a contract that either expires at the end of the league year which is march or it rolls over to the next year so that's what a futures contract is and there's like almost no like for the team it doesn't doesn't you're not paying anything. It doesn't cost exactly. it. Like it's exactly. kind of like right. a, you've got a 90 man roster to fill. Yep. You can, and yeah. some of these guys are going to get, are going to get cut later yeah. in the off season. Yeah. Now for the record, the five practice squatters who uh, were uh, unceremoniously not signed to futures contracts, John Hightower, former sixth round pick, former fifth round pick rather Keyshawn Johnson. Of course, the hall of fame wide receiver. Is he a hall of famer? Uh, no, Keyshawn's not. A hall no, of he's not. Sorry. The uh, former number one overall pick, uh, Luke Jariga, Casey Tucker. I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Casey Tucker, and Raquan Williams. There you go. Who of those five, Zach, do you think is the most likely to come back to the Eagles at some point ever, in any capacity? Uh, Luke Jariga. He seems to be like if you need someone to snap the ball in practice, mm. call Luke. <laughs> I was going to go Casey Tucker just because, you know, he always comes back. But you might be right. All right. I I, I want to give a shout-out to one listener, um, M. Cause. Uh, so I – this... looks You're looking off screen as if you are being held hostage by M. Cause, no, and no. this is part of the I'm deal. I'm trying to find I – I, I wrote it down. So I was – so this is someone who back door, uh, before Christmas um, sends me a message, uh, wants to buy a book you know, for a Christmas present and, uh, and says that, you know, what, what, if I what would, book did he want to buy <laughs> underdogs, the photo of Eagles, emotional road, the Super Bowl victory and says that if, if, uh, if I win swooper, he'll be happy to pay me twice. And I didn't think there of, I like, you know, I read the sentence. I, I didn't think anything of it. And so anyways, Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was, I get a Venmo like text alert <laughs> For thirty dollars, you know, and I'm like, wait, what is this? And uh, he said he was he was a man of his word. Wow, big. Flex. And I immediately sent him the money back because I can't accept the money for winning super sarcastic. But I'm like, I, I will I will mention you on the pod. Um, and uh, then he you was should have kept the money, but sent him another book. No, he was generous enough to say that he will donate that money to a charity of my choice. So, uh, um, I I, I uh, sent and him the charity the was. Philadelphia Futures, Syracuse, which, uh, which goes boosters. to uh, which uh, Philadelphia Futures, which goes to send its um, uh, Philadelphia public school students to college and supports nice. them, and it's a cause that's a uh, very um, close to my heart. So uh, yeah. So anyways, um, 
<laughs> I, I want to give him a shout out because that was a really nice gesture that had to do with Swoopers Orchesting. Well, that's good because somebody mentions cameo in the uh, in the chat, and I think I think it's possible we might be dipping our toes in that bad boy. We'll see. All right. Uh, well, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. Uh, some good conversation, some quack to the future, some jokes, and uh, we'll be back next week. Probably two two episodes next week. Hopefully, we'll have Shield back in the saddle. He can give us all his thoughts on uh, where we ranked Christian Ellis versus. Uh, Mac McCain. I'm sure that he's got big thoughts on Dion Kane. So uh, excited to hear uh, from him. For Sheil and Elijah and Marissa and Zach, I'm Bo. Thanks for listening. And as always, we love you.